0: Well, good morning. Good to be with you all. I wanted to start this morning uh, by telling you a story that has changed my life. There are some words that I was once offered that, that absolutely transformed my entire trajectory. And they were this. Would you like to come over for Pigs in a Blanket tomorrow evening? It was my freshman year of college. And I was at Bible class at this church. It was the first month or so that I was at school. uh, And my roommate and I were attending, and this older guy named Philip Porch sat down next to us. And with a smile on his face and a goatee on his chin, he asked us, did you want to come over for Pigs in a Blanket tomorrow night? Um, And so my roommate and I looked at each other, and without a second thought said, of course. Of course. Absolutely, right? Um, we're freshmen. We don't have much homework yet at this point, And uh, we don't have a lot of friends and connections. There's not much going on. Uh, so, an evening scarfing down little smokies wrapped in warm, flaky, buttery crust is perfect. Um, my life was changed. Uh, the next evening, what followed uh, was, in fact, uh, delicious consumption of pigs and blankets. But that evening was the first of many gatherings, actually, because we were not just invited over for food. Um, We were actually invited into community. And so following this this one night uh, that that we hung out and and had food together, we would gather every week. And uh, this small group of guys would, would keep coming together, and we would share life together, talk about how was your week, what's going on. We would pray for each other. Soon after that, uh, the Monday evenings spilled over into Wednesday mornings when we would go to McDonald's and have breakfast together. Um, and again, talk about our week, how we're doing. Uh, we take time to pray together. Uh, this had started, you know, in a Bible class. Um, but this was much more than just Bible study. This was life, Right? Um, The next year, this small group of guys that I kind of become a part of actually joined with another small group from the church of girls, so we kind of became this co-ed small group, uh, which for college is a huge deal, right? Like, what's what's going on there? Um, But we continued to grow together in community. And the year after that, uh, my roommates and I actually started to host this gathering of, of, of various college students and And we would just kind of pack out our living room. There were probably 30 or 40 college students who would gather in our home. And each week we would gather, we would sing together, we would read scripture together, we would pray with one another. Our friendships grew deeper even as our community grew wider. Both of those things began to happen. And some of the guys actually from this community are those who will be standing next to me just in a couple months whenever Caitlin and I are getting married. So so these, these are deep relationships that still persist to this day. So this, this community is growing and forming. The next year, I ended up actually joining the staff of the church that this small group was a part of. And while I was on staff, I ended up helping to lead this summer program of discipleship. Uh, there were about 20 or 30 college students who were a part of it. They just committed their summer to, we're going to study scripture and and learn to follow Jesus together. Um, And so they did that. And part of this summer experience actually involved a mission trip going all the way over to Uganda. We're partnering with this other church there, and we would spend time with the local church, but also going out into the city and talking with people there, reading scripture with them, inviting them to know God, inviting them to this church community. And, And there was one day that I I, I remember this, sort of sitting at this this little kind of hotel that we were staying at in Uganda, and I was reflecting back on all these years, and and somehow I'm sitting here in Uganda, praying with people across the world, and it was all because of those little pigs in a blanket. Those years before somehow had led to this moment across the world. Now, this might seem like an overstatement, but stories like this exist all over Scripture. This pattern continues to happen. Powerful things happen when people break bread together. A couple stories. Abraham invited uh, three men who are wandering in the wilderness over, and it turns out that they were angels. He breaks bread with them, he gives them water and rest. And they end up speaking a promise to him of a son who is to be born. Another story, there was a widow in a place called Zarephath. And she uh, brings this man and offers him water and food and rest. And he turns out to be the prophet Elijah. And then her and her family had food for days to come. They were blessed after that experience. Another story, Jesus once sat down at a well for some water, with a woman. Next thing that we know, she has gone back to her town, and many in that town have come to believe and know Jesus. Food, hospitality, and community lead to amazing things. Lives are changed from these things. These mild ingredients are the stuff of the kingdom of God. Pigs in a blanket might just lead to praying with someone across the world. You never know. And so this pattern is one that we see in our passage today. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app on your phone, or there are, I think, some Bibles uh, maybe scattered around, uh, grab it and open up to Acts chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 42. As you're opening there, I'm just going to do a quick review of where we've been Over the last few weeks and where we're going today. Uh, This month, kind of since I've been here with you, we've been in this little series about casting a shared vision for ministry together of who we are as the church. The first week was kind of about who I am as your minister. The second week was about who we are as a community of one and many who are equipped for the work of ministry together. And then last week, we talked about why we gather together every week to worship, to read scripture, to pray together. And we said that the reason why we do this is to cultivate holy habits that will set our eyes on Jesus Christ um, and that that spills over into all of life. So we said liturgy unto life was sort of the, the catchphrase last week. I mean, Today, we're going to kind of bring this series to a close, and I want to talk a little bit more about what that all of life is, what it looks like outside of these gatherings. What what does it mean to be in community together? We're going to look at the example of the early church today. And if the pattern that we saw last week was liturgy unto life, then I think what we see this week is community unto mission. So let's read together. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. for the people of God. God. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for the testimony of who you are and what you have done. God, as we read and, and sift through scripture together this morning, I ask that you would give us sharp minds and soft hearts that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So so last week, I covered a big chunk of verses. We had 17 verses, and we just kind of ran through them all. This week, we have five. Um, So so we're going to go a little bit more slowly, and I'm just going to kind of walk back through the passage again. Um, I don't have, like, three points for you. We're just going to walk back through the passage, read a couple verses at a time, and, and just pause and reflect together. Um, So let's uh, just read these first two couple of verses again, uh, beginning in 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now, these couple of verses here, I think in some ways pick up right where we left off last week. If you remember, if you were here last week, we talked about the singular command, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And what we said was that everything that comes after that, the teaching, the admonishing, the singing of psalms and hymns, just naturally flows from dwelling in the word and having the word dwell in you. Um, This is the same thing that we see here, uh, that we have a community devoting themselves to teaching fellowship, breaking bread, and prayers, and then that awe and wonder and deep community just naturally flows out of that. Naturally flows from it. And I want to tell you a story about how this has been true in my own life. So a few weeks ago, the first Sunday that I was with you, I mentioned that I've been looking forward to this moment, this opportunity of of ministering and serving uh, among you for about 14 years, well, that story 14 years ago uh, was this weekend that I had this great sort of faith encounter with God. Uh, it's, a, it's a weekend where my faith kind of became my own. Uh, and so it happened on this uh, retreat that I was on, this youth group retreat, this weekend retreat. And I'd been on retreats like this before. And I, I, in fact, I'd been on the same retreat the year before. And I remember going to retreats like this, and I would often come from them with kind of this spiritual high. you know. For a couple weeks, I was just on fire for Jesus. I'd read the Bible. I loved God. Um, Have you ever experienced anything like that before? Ever had one of those kind of experiences and then a little spiritual high that exists for a little while? Maybe it was at a conference or a retreat or after you were baptized or some other season of life like that. And you feel free right? You feel close to God. These are seasons when that call to pray without ceasing actually makes sense, right? Because it actually feels like everything you do is a prayer. But how long do those seasons actually last? You know, maybe a a couple months if we're lucky. Um, Maybe a couple weeks is more realistic. A, A weekend, yeah. I mean, you know, how long does that sort of thing last? And the same thing happened to me. That that first several retreats, or first experience that I had, you know, I'd go to that and I'd come and I'd be fired up. And then a week later, I'm struggling, I'm in sin, I'm not really paying attention to God. But this retreat 14 years ago, something a little bit different happened because I, I left the retreat and I felt that same sort of fiery spiritual high as I always had. But I began to wonder in the midst of it, how long is this going to last? Like, is, is this just going to kind of fizzle out again and again? Like, is this, is this just the, the cycle that I'm in? And it's at that time that I remember coming across these verses that we're looking at. And I began to reflect on what these retreats actually are. Because on things like this, we are constantly devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer together. No wonder we came off with awe and wonder, right? No wonder we came out of these retreats with these spiritual highs. We were doing this, and what naturally flowed from it is awe. And so after the retreats, I I sought to really continue that devotion, really continue uh, searching the scriptures and and living life in community. And And I'll be honest, no, it hasn't been a constant spiritual high since then. I haven't perfectly been devoted to those things since then. But this pattern rings true, that when we're devoted to these things, awe and wonder will naturally flow from them. And so I hope that this is the kind of community that we can be. Not just one of spiritual highs, but rather one of spiritual disciplines. That's what these are, the holy habits that we talked about last week. Might we be a community who devotes ourselves to the disciplines of the apostles' teaching, to these scriptures, to fellowship with one another, to to real life together, to the breaking of bread, not only at this table as we break bread in communion, but at one another's tables as we break bread in community? And may we especially be a community devoted to prayer. If, if we're honest, I think that prayer might be one of the most difficult ones. You know, as a as a Church of Christ, we're pretty good at teaching and doing Bible studies. That's kind of just baked into our DNA. That's just what we do. We're great at Bible study, and it, and it seems like this church in particular um, it is really good at fellowship and and breaking bread. I've, I've Uh, been told a number of times, I've actually experienced already a few times, that there's some really great cooks among us. And I think that's true. Like, we're good at breaking bread together. But prayer can be really easy to neglect, even as a church. And so I hope that we can foster a community, uh, foster a culture of prayer together, that you know, after we finish this whole thing and, and we're standing around chatting with one another, what if it wasn't strange to have little pockets of just praying for one another as we're talking? You know, rather than saying like, oh, thanks for letting me know, I'll be praying for you, to actually pause and say, hey, can I pray for you right now? What if that wasn't weird? What if that was just normal? Normal. Because talking to God together should be normal, because God is already here with us. I hope that can be the case. So, so just like last week, letting the word of God dwell in you naturally gives way to singing and praise, so here devotion to teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer naturally gives way to awe and wonder among the community. And the rest of the passage just describes what a community living out of that awe looks like. So so let's keep reading together. In verse 44, all who believed were together and had all things in common. The first thing I want to say about this verse is that it actually shows us the definition of community. They were together and had all things in common. Our our word, community, is literally a common unity. To have a common unity together. And there are all kinds of things to build community around. There are all kinds of things that we have in common. Uh, Things like location, hobbies, what we do, like our job, our interests. Things like gender and race. There's all kinds of stuff that we have in common with other people. But the kind of common unity that we have as a community of Christ goes beyond all of these. We read in our text last week that in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. In Galatians it says that not even male and female divides us from one another, that we are all one in Christ. Our common unity is Christ Jesus who reigns over all things. This is what it means to be a community. The second thing that I want to say about this verse is that it shows us that a community filled with the awe of God is a community of peace. And by peace, I don't just mean the absence of chaos. Uh, If if we've been around for any amount of time, there's chaos that happens. Uh, Not just the absence of chaos, I mean the presence of God. By peace, I don't just mean a lack of division, but rather a a real and true oneness with one another. It says they were together and had all things in common. This is a community that is really joined together. When one person is hurting and weeping, the community gathers around them and mourns together. When one person is celebrating and rejoicing, the community gathers round and celebrates together. This is what it means to, to be one, to be united as a community. Their hearts are joined to one another. If uh, you've, you know, flip forward a page or two, in chapter 4, verse 32, it says, those who believed were of one heart and soul. A community of peace does not mean that there won't be moments of weeping, It just means that they won't be alone. That we'll be together in the weeping with those who weep, and the rejoicing with those who rejoice. And yet, this kind of oneness goes beyond heart and soul. It also includes physical things as well. If we look at the next verse, verse 45, it says, "...they were selling their possessions and belongings in distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. The early church did not only have spiritual oneness or even emotional oneness, they actually had a kind of economic oneness in which they shared their possessions with one another, contributed to those who had need. And one thing that I think is really interesting is that this verse implies there was a kind of diversity within the church Because there are some who had possessions and belongings, and there are others who had need. This is a community that transcends economic boundaries. They cross the economic divide in order to meet one another's needs. I've heard it said before that the only level ground is at the foot of the cross. And we see that here in this community, with Christ as their common unity. They don't need to hold on to anything else, to their possessions, to their stuff. At the foot of the cross, the rich sell their possessions, and the poor have their needs met. And together, they have all things in common. And now, from what I can tell of my time Among you all, this is something that this church actually does really well. Uh, Some of you might remember uh, one of the first couple times I was here among you, uh, I kind of crashed your Bible class, um, and we had a time of just answering some questions. You guys asked me some questions. I asked you some questions. And one of the questions I asked you was, what is this church good at? And everyone took some time to write down their answer on a sheet of paper, and I collected those afterwards. Uh, And as I looked through them, by far, the the top answer to that question is, this church is really good at meeting needs. This church is really good at finding the needs that are there and and surrounding them and meeting them. You know I mean? Every week, uh, almost every week, Terry gets up here and shares the congregational concerns. Throughout the week, there are emails that go out sharing what it is that is needed. And then beyond just taking care of one another, uh, this church has has been taking special care of Wildwood Elementary just across the street. Now that school is in session, we have the bag program that's happening, and and we're bringing food to kids and and that kind of thing. And so I just want to take a moment to encourage you. This is something that, that we're doing well. And so... Let us continue growing in this. Let us continue to to have eyes to see those in need. May God help our hearts to continue growing toward one another and meeting our needs. And so we see a community filled with the awe of God shares their resources with one another. But physical resources are only one kind of resource— right? What's another almost invaluable resource that we all have? Time, right? Time. Well, time is crucial for the formation of a community. Let's look at the next verse. Verse 46 says that day by day they were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with gladness. And generous hearts. Day by day. Community takes time. And I think one thing that that this church has going for it is the reality that many of you have been a part of this community for years. Have been part of this community for almost your whole life, maybe actually your whole life. Um, and that's that's a great thing. Amazing bonds of depth can form over years of shared experience and life. And yet the passage doesn't say year by year. It says day by day. Over the past few weeks, we've talked about the ongoing nature of our life with God, right? That we are being renewed. Uh, we've talked about that we're in the midst of God's restoration of all things. It's an ongoing process. Well, the same is true of community. Community is an ongoing thing, day by day. And a long history is a really good thing. A long shared past is a really good thing, but we also need to have a rich present for the community to grow Um, And and to go deep. And the best example I can give about this is the example of of just a romantic relationship, right? Like, I can't just rely on the years that Caitlin and I have known one another and been dating to just sort of trust that things are going to be all right and good, right? Like, we need to continue spending quality time together. Day by day. And even after we're married, in the next couple of months, like, we'll still need to take intentional time to connect with one another, to go on dates and have fun together. Um, It probably will actually be more important once we are married and living together to take those intentional moments because the longer that you have together, the more you can often begin to take one another for granted. And so may we not do this as a community, right? May, May this be a community that lives life together day by day, that invests in one another. The other thing that I want to point out from this verse is that they were. it says they were attending the temple together and breaking bread together in their homes. Community always exists in these kinds of concentric circles. Right? An individual ripples out into the larger circle, and then the larger circle kind of spirals back into smaller groups. You have temple and you have homes. And here's just a couple of examples. The story that I started off with this morning began with my roommate and me, right? Just the two of us. But then we began to be connected to this small group of guys that met on Monday nights and our community grew a little bit bigger than that. And this small group of guys was connected with other small groups that ended up forming kind of this college ministry, But that college ministry was part of a larger church. And that church was connected with other churches. And that's how we ended up traveling all the way over to Uganda to get connected with this community that was there. Right? So concentric circles from my roommate and I to the global church. This is how a community exists. Another example is is Jesus' community. Right? So Jesus teaches these large crowds throughout his ministry. But from the large crowds, he calls 12. And then among those 12, there are the three that he kind of grows even closer to. But then eventually, there's this moment where he he sends out 72 that go out. Um, And then eventually, here we are at the beginning of Acts, and we find 120 huddled together in the upper room. But then it keeps going, right? The, the verse before where we started says that this thing has expanded to about 3,000 people. And so there are these concentric circles. The large group remained connected with one another through their large gatherings in the temple, right? And yet, throughout the week, day by day, they would break bread together in smaller groups as they gathered in homes. And so I wonder who, who are your concentric circles of community, right? I mean, here we are, Federal Way Church of Christ, probably somewhere between the 72 and 120 that we see in Scripture. That's about where we are. Um, but, but who are your 12? Who are your three? Who are those people that you can really go deep with? The people who know you. really know you. This is one of the challenges, I think, of Christian community. While we're called to go deep with one another in these kind of concentric circles, we're never meant to go so deep that we end up being cut off, right? Either from the larger church or even the larger world. And that's what the very next verse says in the beginning of 47. It says they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And so, yes, we're meant to be a community who goes deep with one another. And yes, we're meant to be a community who praises God and wholeheartedly embraces our faith. Yet, we should never grow antagonistic toward others in the church or others in the world. We see here that they gathered in the temple and in homes, that they remained connected to the larger body while also gathering in these smaller bodies. We see also that they were praising God and having favor with all the people. They were people of faith, committed to God, but they were also participants in their society, committed to their neighbor's. And so I hope and pray that we can be such a community. Wholeheartedly running after God, constantly going deeper with one another, and yet never cutting ourselves off from others. Community unto mission. If the example of the early church rings true, then passionate faith and deep community will draw other people into it rather than pushing them away. And so may we be a people with that kind of inviting presence in our community life together. And so finally, the passage concludes. The Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. And here again, we see this ongoing pattern reality that salvation is a continuous journey it says those who were being saved again we have this phrase day by day this thing is a journey that we're on salvation is an ongoing process community right is an ongoing process And it's a process that is rooted in and directed by God. It says that the Lord added to their number. There's another scripture where Paul writes that we plant and water, but it is God who gives the growth. So it was the Lord who added to their number. Our goal as a community is not to grow really big, not to increase numbers. Rather, we are called to be faithful to one another. We're called to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship, and to the prayers. And as we do this, we can trust that the Spirit is going to fill us with awe and draw us deeper into community. And we can trust God to grow his church because he is faithful and he will. So I hope that through this season of ministry together, we will be a community unto mission. That we will grow deep with one another as we also grow wide. So what does it look like to do that? Maybe it's as simple as inviting someone over for Pigs in a Blanket. Or as simple as saying yes to that invitation You never know what might happen. Awe and wonder are always lying in wait. Amen.